0: I'm Johnny Hampton, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better.
2: Folks, my name's Jared Hogan. I'm joined with
1: the one and only Roman
2: the Showman Johnson. Uh-huh, yes, that's what they call me. That's my official nickname. Uh, it's a good one. If I do say so myself, it's great to be here. Uh, to all the creative sheep crew listening, I would like to, to, to thank you for, for taking the time to listen to this podcast absolutely we couldn't do it and wouldn't want to do it without you it'd be pointless to it do would it be you. but hey while you're listening if you haven't yet
1: subscribed go ahead and hit subscribe folks we've got some amazing interviews coming up for you jordan wiseman is coming back on the or coming on the show Come on. he's the marketing coordinator for the Uversion bible app heard of it maybe uh wit george is coming back yep I thought you were gonna say a sophomore episode. That's like your go-to when somebody's coming back <laughs> on the, the show. Season, that's
2: the sophomore episode with Wit George. He was one of our early early guests.
1: Yes, phenomenal interview. And this next one is one for the for the books. Uh, we every young leader needs to listen to this, this upcoming interview with Wit. It's incredible. Uh, and, and anyways, folks, this is episode 42. We've got Johnny Hampton on the show today. Johnny's the owner of Hampton Creative here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, he's talking about thinking like an owner, and whether you're an owner or not, this episode is for you. Yes. Uh, so you're going to need to li- need to stick around, listen to that. But before we get to our interview with Johnny Roman, we got to bring it back. We got to bring it back, Jared. Take me there. We have got to bring it back. Come we haven't on. done this in quite a while, Roman. Yes. It is time for today's shameless plug. What? Shameless plug. Shame- shameless.
2: Shameless plug. Shameless. A Shame, shameless.
1: Roman, we all know this show is brought to you in part by Creativesheep.org. We've heard that before. We have. But you know, we're doing something crazy over at Creativesheep.org these days. We are making all of our resources, all of our pre-made resources. The the illustrations, the yes. countdowns, come on, the invite videos. We got those. The 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 holiday videos. Oh my goodness. So our rap videos over there.
2: All this stuff right you can it's it's there right now on it's our site. It's all
1: there right now. And guess what, Roman? Everyone listening can go get
2: it for free. Hold on, hold on, back up. Say that again. For free. One more time. Free. Are you saying like I can get one thing, like one video for free? All of it. If you want to go download everything on our website right
1: now for free, you can do that in exchange for your email address. And here's why, Roman. I, we're, not, we're not going to do the old bait and switch here. No. We're, going to, we're just going to tell you straight. We've got some big things coming up that we want to keep you apprised of. So in exchange for your email address, we're not going to give it to anybody else. We're not going to
2: send you any weird emails. We're not going to afford you any of our emails from my Uncle Bruce. No, no, <laughs> no, we are not. Just give us your email address, and you're agreeing that
1: we can email you. But we're going to let you download whatever you want from our site for free. That's kind of crazy, Jared. It is kind of crazy. It's It's a bold move. It's a bold move. But folks, we, we are we are so excited about the things that we have coming up that we wanted to make our entire site available to you for free. So head over to creativesheep.org, enter your email address in the pop-up, and you're going to get a super secret code where you can download stuff for free. Now, Roman. Yes. Once someone gets this super secret code and starts downla- downloading these copious amounts of videos. Copious amounts. Uh, what do they do with them?
2: Uh, they're gonna want to um, check out our friends over at ProPresenter in order to play them in their church because for 17 years ProPresenter has been used by churches all over the world. Jared, for lyric and scripture presentations, audio and video playback, environmental projection, and a ton more. I love ProPresenter. I do too. Seriously, I love ProPresenter. I've used it for years.
1: I've been at church on the move for 15 years now, and I don't recall us using anything
2: else. It's the gold standard. Hey, maybe right now you're like you're you're using something like. PowerPoint or some other presentation thing like that, and you're just like, I'm frustrated, I can't get the gradient right. <laughs> it seems like there's always a gradient in PowerPoint. Um, but you want something with a little bit more robust feature set. Go, That's where Pro, ProPresenter comes in.
1: Go to ProPresenter, ProPresenter.com, folks. And, and here's the deal, whether you're a big church or a startup church, it will work for you. And I, I can vouch for this. Yes, uh, Roman, as you know, I'm going to help uh, Adore Church in Boston, Massachusetts.
2: Yeah, you are. Brand new church plant. And guess what? We're using ProPresenter. That doesn't surprise me because ProPresenter is used by over 95% of Outreach Magazine's 100 largest, fastest growing, and most influential churches. It's available on both Mac and Windows, so it's versatile there. So head over to ProPresenter.com and check it out. Folks, that is today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Folks, I'm so
1: excited to bring you this interview today. Uh, one of my friends is joining us on the show today. Uh, I've known Johnny Hampton for years now, and this guy is the, he's just a man of integrity, a man, uh, a respected man in our community. Hampton Creative is just an exploding creative agency, full-on ad agency here, based here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But they're doing big work, folks. Oh, yeah. Make no mistake about it. I mean, we're talking SeaWorld, they're doing work for SeaWorld, perhaps. You've heard of them, like the like Shamu, the yeah the Sea World. Uh, they do work for Quick Trip, which if you're not in the Tulsa area, uh, Johnny talks about this a little bit in the interview. But Quick Trip is a huge uh, gas station, privately
2: owned gas station, convenience store here in the Tulsa area. Roman, do you go anywhere besides Quick Trip? I refuse to go anywhere besides Quick Trip because anything else is uh, rubbish like a, the dregs of society. Yes. Uh, uh, I don't
1: know. And we'll link to this in the show notes, but uh, there's a book that Quick Trip actually wrote called From Lucky to Smart, and you should check it out because Quick Trip is amazing. It's Incredible really customer service. Wasn't even planning on talking about all this. Anyhow, Johnny's company, company is doing work for Quick Trip, and Johnny's company is amazing. Johnny is the freaking
2: man. Yeah, he's a, he's a, an incredible leader. Uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing him for, for several years as well, uh, but I also would say he's the sweetest man in two shoes. He really, really is.
1: And so, folks, I think just without further ado, let's get to our conversation today with Johnny Hampton talking about how to think like an owner. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. What a, What a privilege it is to be here at the Hampton Creative Headquarters here in beautiful, sunny Tulsa, Oklahoma. Man, thanks for joining us on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, man. It, this one's a this one's a, especially an honor for me because I, I, I get to interview a lot of people, but uh, you're a friend of mine, and, and you're somebody that I come to for advice and uh, highly respect when it comes to business. And so this is a huge privilege for me to be here and have a conversation with you. And this is actually based all around a talk you came and did uh, a few weeks ago to uh, the team that I was leading at Church on the Move, our kids and youth team, uh, about thinking like an owner. And so, really, before we jump into the topic of conversation today, uh, how, let, let's kind of dive in just a little bit and how you got your start. Uh, you own a company called Hampton Creative, obviously named after you, uh, but like, how, how did this all begin? How did you wind up in the creative world that you live in now?
0: Well, I started out with a business degree, and that has definitely given me a good foundation for building a business at the time, because I went to school a long time ago, early 90s, before uh, desktop publishing even existed. Uh, I had to kind of learn on my own, but all along I'm sitting here with this this business degree wondering how that was all going to fit in, and so I did my time working for another agency for almost 10 years before the owner of that agency came to me and said, hey, Johnny, we hate to tell you this, but we're going to end our agency side of our business, so I was more or less uh, kicked out of the nest, and really it was either go work for someone else or take all that I'd learned over the last 10 years and build my own business, and so I chose the latter.
1: That's awesome. So when, when this all happened, was it, a, was it kind of a shock to you? that it was, Or did you kind of know that it was coming to, uh, since the, the changing of the wind there?
0: I didn't know. I thought that that someone would always carry me along the way. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was happy to stay in the nest, and it was all warm and cozy in there and didn't have a clue what, what God had for me in building this business and how much more we'd be able to do in reach and in scope and be able to bless other people.
1: So you didn't necessarily set out to own your own business, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs at all. So for me, it was it was a
0: serious step out of the boat moment for me, seriously.
1: Yeah. yeah. So when you got kicked out of the nest, was it you just you had nothing or there was something to kind of launch with? How, how did that transition take place to get you ultimately where you are now?
0: Well, they were very generous with me and said that, look, we'll give you all of the clients that we have and we will take a cut <laughs> Wow. of that for the first year. So, I was set up very well. Yeah.
1: So, at that time though, was it was it more design work only or was were you full force agency right out the gate? We were a design agency. We started out just pure design because yeah. that's
0: where where I had had most of my experience. So, we definitely had to exper- had to, to really expand our product lines pretty quickly to, uh, as as clients demanded. We grew with them.
1: Yeah. Man, that's incredible. And so to be kicked out of the nest with somewhat of a safety net, I guess, if you will, you're going out going out with, with some clientele there, starting as design, and now that was the start of Hampton Creative right then. Correct. Yes? Okay. And that was how long ago? 14 years. 14 years. So that was 2002, 2002.
0: Um,
1: when, when you got kicked out of the nest. Uh, fast forward to today, a lot has happened over the past 14 years. A lot has happened. You've had two kids. Um, your marriage has grown a ton, you're an amazing, amazing dude, and some stuff you're doing at the church, uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute, but specifically with Hampton Creative, you're a full-blown agency now. Correct. You guys do everything, not right. just design work. Right. Did that all happen kind of at once? Did you wake up one day and just, Crystal, your wife, I've got this brilliant idea, and we're gonna start doing everything uh, from from video to, to podcasting to everything that you can imagine... Or walk us through how how you got to being kicked out of the nest with those clients to where Hampton Creative is today.
0: I find that God has always led me, as Scripture says, "The steps of the righteous are ordered, and so it wasn't like there was ever a true moment of a leap of faith, it was always being prepared little by little along the way, and so for us as an agency, we... we started out a design, design firm, but as clients said, hey, you've done so well in this area, what if you did this? And so I noticed along the way that God had people sitting alongside me um, ready to come along and work, work, work alongside us. So there were always people waiting in the wings that I found find that God would give me these relationships with people uh, that had an expertise in areas that I didn't. So there'd be discussions along the way. Maybe we'd give them a contract job here or there. But when it came down to the client saying, hey, I really need this service, we found ways, the work always helped hire the people. So we would you typically hire by contract, yeah. but when the work got too much that it made more sense for the person to come on staff with us, that's that's where we made that transition. So we added service lines based on client need, which is really really the true heart of our agency is to serve our clients. When the clients uh, said, we need this, we said, okay, let's see if we can service that. And Who, who do we know that, that is really good in that field that can help um, provide that service that we didn't have at the moment?
1: So kind of along this journey, I've heard you talk about this before, and I think this is a brilliant approach to hiring people. You don't necessarily launch out the gate with, oh, my client needs video done, we're going to hire a whole video team, buy the gear, rent a studio, or buy a studio. Um, That's not really been your approach, like you said, you're more, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Um, Why don't you talk about a, a little bit more in detail of how that works, of going from contractor to Full-time employee because I think this is something that churches or businesses or really whatever field you work in. This is a really great approach to bringing on more t- more team members, especially when you are a smaller uh, organization and and not feeling the full burden of man. I've got to provide for this person and their family. Uh, so if you don't mind uh, talking about that just a little bit, you know um, Andy Stanley talks a lot
0: about uh, hiring and I've, I've carried this with me for years, and one of the big things he talks about in hiring is um, chemistry. And so for us it's really key being a, a, an agency of now 12 people and then several interns along the way too, and contract, contract staff. Um, chemistry is really important for our team because you can have, in, this, in the settings we work in, it's very, an open, very much an open environment. If you have someone in that group that could be really, really good at what they do but the chemistry's not there, then you've got a bump under the rug that you have to deal with. And so for us, even, as, even so much the talent is important and, and knowing uh, the business is important, but how they fit with everyone else is a critical component when it comes to collaboration because we do a lot of cre- creative collaboration. If that's not a fit, you have problems. And so for us, for us to bring someone in on contract, let them see how they work. They'll even work in our space for a little bit and let them see how we work uh, internally. But then we are able to kind of see how they fit, how they work, what are their processes, would their processes fit with us? Would we see eye to eye on how things should be done? Um, that gives us an opportunity to kind of test the waters a little bit. So we've done that with several. We have a, a, an employee right now uh, n- named Nate who is uh, who started that way with us, and so he sat at our front desk for a while and worked, and we got to see how he worked and see how things he worked He jived with our team. The chemistry was there, the knowledge was there uh it it was it was really, really good for us. So we have most of our employees have come to us that way and in some way we were able to test them at some point.
1: I think it's a brilliant approach to, to bringing on new staff. So, uh, you, you know, bef- again, still before we jump into our main topic, uh, just to, to show that you are a credible person, uh, why don't you talk real quick about some of the clients that you guys are servicing right now? Right now, um, we
0: quite a, it's very varied. We started out doing a lot of nonprofits, which I, is really my heart to help, uh, whether it's church, parachurch. Uh, nonprofit, whatever. Those were all really the kind of the heart behind the, the, how we started our company. But, and that's also the clientele that was given, given to me. Most of them were yeah. nonprofits, So that's, yeah. where, that's where we started. But over time, uh, we found ourselves out of good relationships working with organizations like Quick Trip, uh, SeaWorld, SeaWorld Corporate, uh, Food for the Hungry, Rustic Cuffer locally, which has done incredibly well, Tulsa Community College, which is one of the top three largest community colleges in the country, Folds of Honor, and then Campus Crusade, those are probably some of our our big hitters. Uh, One Hope is another one that's a real big one, Uh, one of the largest distributors of uh, literature for evangelism. Uh, So all of these, you know, you learn something from all of these, and they all have built us into what we are. We've also found that no job at the time we thought was a large job suddenly they become a lot smaller because you're applying the same principles to all of them, whether large or small, and how you reach their audience.
1: Yeah. And I I love that you kind of just glazed over Quick Trip right there. We've got listeners all over the globe. And so for folks that may not know uh, the glory that is Quick Trip, (laughs) uh, give us a snapshot of who Quick Trip is. Quick Trip has
0: been listed among um, Forbes' top 100 um, places to work in the country for years. Matter of fact, they climb the list every year. They're also, um, I don't know what their most recent numbers are, but they are in the B billion uh, in, in revenue every year. And so they are a um, mostly South and East region, uh, a gas station more or less, but with a lot more offerings than just gas. They oh, yeah. are the, the Willy Wonka of everything drinks inside. Yes. Uh, with snacks and all kinds of other uh, hot dogs and things like that. So
1: A very large, <laughs> uh, they're still privately held. They are privately held. Just yes. a, a massive organization, incredible. Company. Um, so so I, I say all of that to let you brag on yourself for just a second, but also just to show, like, you know what you're talking about with, with what we're going to be talking about today. And today, the main topic here is thinking like an owner. Um, and so you've been doing this for a while, like you said, 14 years, almost a decade and a half now. Um, first off, why is it important for someone out there that's listening that maybe um, they're a children's pastor, uh, a creative director at a church, um, working for someone else? They don't have their own business, and they think, you know, one day if I own my own thing, I could see why this would be important. But why is this important to everyone right now, no matter where you are?
0: You know, it's safe to say that not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. I mean, that's, I, that's the way I felt, but maybe you are. Maybe you just don't know that yet. I think that God calls you at the right moment and prepares you along the way. And definitely for us, um, for me, um, you know, working for other people for a while, I there's 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 just a long list of things that you make as an employee to say, man, if if I did this on my own, and it, sometimes it comes in the form of complaints, which is horrible, but uh, you can take those complaints and you can turn that into something you can put in your backpack and take down the road. If, yep. if I were going to do this, this is how I would do this differently. And for the first 10 years when I worked for other companies, before I started my own agency, I, I, I thought about that a lot. I thought about, man, how would I treat my employees? If I had employees, how would I treat them? If I own this business, how would, how would I want my clients to feel about me? Or how would I want them to feel about our processes? Or how would I want my product to look? Those things were all really important to me as I thought as I along the way. But you have to think like an owner if you ever want to be, go beyond where you are right now, because otherwise you'll be an employee the rest of your life. And for some people, maybe that's, maybe that's good enough. But you know what? At the same time, you could also become a really, really good employee. And thinking like the
1: owner is only going to cause you to move up in the company. That's so, so good. So basically with our team, you gave us seven principles and some bonus ones. And we're going to get through as many as we can today. Um, let's just jump right in. The first thing you said is do the hard things first. Yeah, you know, um,
0: it's interesting that people want to put off those hard things till later when you can do a lot of those things right up front and get them out of the way. You know, for for me, it was always uh, growing up, you know, get your homework done, take out the trash, which I hated taking out the trash, which most of us do, (laughs) which is why I had two boys. So now they can do that for me. I told them the other day I will never take out the trash again until they had football practice and then I was back on trash duty. But it happens. It happens. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's easy to put the things off. For now, it's things like you make that apology to that employee or it's, or it's uh, deal with that contract that you've been needing to deal with forever. Clean up that situation. Clean up that relationship. Those are things that are just not fun. But if you'll do those things first, it will set you up for success. I remember very clearly um, uh, Joe McGee, who's a, a close friend of ours and also a client. Uh, his wife, who's obviously a strong uh, player in their marriage, obviously, hmm. uh, having as many kids as they have and grow- have, having raised such great kids. But one of the daughters came and said once uh, to uh, Denise, the mom said, you know, I've been really frustrated, but she'd been complaining about this situation. And the mom said, Denise said, said to her, she said, Sarah, she said, "You, you, how, how, how long have you prayed over this? Have you fasted? Have you prayed over this? And she said, how long? Well, a day, one day, you know, a day. She's like, you, you don't come back to me and complain until you've at least prayed over this for at least two weeks, and then we'll, wow. see, we'll see what kind of response you have. So again, that's a hard thing. You know, it's a hard thing to do, and I think sometimes God has a hard time blessing us because we, we're so ADD about our prayer requests. One day we ask this, and we move on to something else. Oh, so look, something shiny over here. So God didn't have time to answer the prayer request that I asked of Him because I've already moved on to something else. And so if, it, if things are really important to us, we'll do those hard things first. We'll pray, and we'll ask God for, for His answers and His best in those.
1: Especially, especially for all the Type A entrepreneurial, the the leaders, the driven folks out there. Right. Oftentimes, our approach is I'm just I'm just going to grab grab the bull by the horns and make something happen here. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't agree with you more that the prayer aspect of that can be very difficult. And even here on a uh, a, a Christian podcast, uh, the the thought of prayer being a hard thing might sound a bit sacrilegious. But for all you driven folks out there, certainly you can identify with what Johnny is talking about, because I know I can. Uh, next thing here, and I love this, actually. I, I didn't expect this to be the second thing that you gave us, but was do the easy things too. God puts a lot of relationships in our lives of people
0: who help us get down the road, and sometimes those people I've found, and I've learned this from so many people. Jared, I've learned this from you about, uh, about finding someone that is an expert in your field. Go ask them to lunch, ask them dinner, have coffee with them. God puts those people all around us. That's an easy, that's, that's, that's low-hanging fruit. Who is better at your industry at doing what you do than you are? Go, go meet with them. Ask them questions. Uh, where's an area you want to get stronger in? Talk to someone that's stronger in that area. Um, there are so many people out there that, uh, that are better, better at the things that I'm doing that could really help me out a lot. You know, one of the things, uh, too, is I noticed when I was in college, um, I had a hard time sometimes with my schoolwork. And so I found early on that if I would just show up for class, I would get bonus points. So I would get all those that I could get. I was like, you know, at least I can do, I can come to class every day. I can do that. And so it always helped my grade. You know, doing that's just something that's just along the way to pick it up. It kind of reminds me of playing playing um, a little bit of Atari when I was a kid, a kid and playing Miss Pac-Man. Uh, you'd always want to pick up those cherries. You get an extra 250 <laughs> here, an extra 500 there. And so it's kind of like I envision life like this sometimes. is There's stuff all over the place hanging out. You just didn't grab it, or maybe everyone didn't know that those would be that helpful. So for me, I look for those things that are, that are easy. Pick that up. Take that on down the road
1: with you. It's important. Absolutely. I mean, it's scriptural. The mm-hmm. Bible says that if you're faithful with a little, God will make mm-hmm. you ruler over much. So why overlook that stuff? Such a big deal. Such a big deal. Um, this next one, I, I, I hope you expound on this as much as you did with us the other day, is that excellence always pays more. There was a
0: uh, early on in our career, um, there was a um, a church that came to us and asked us to do a a fundraising brochure, and it was a small project, didn't didn't seem to amount to much at the time, but somehow in my heart I knew that every project that came through my doors that I would give it my all. And I mean, I was granted I was young, I was young in the in the industry and young as an entrepreneur, but I knew that every every job we did had to count for something, and it had to it had to it had to be its very very best, and so. We did our best on that project, and come to find out there was a president of a bank that was in that church that saw the work and said, "This is great work. I think I could use this guy or this company for for my bank." And so since that time, we've done unbelievable amount of projects with this this exact um, owner of this bank, only because he had seen the work we had done in a very simple project that we had done and done with excellence. And I just think about how many how many things that you never know who's watching. you just never know who's watching what you're doing. Um, and and so for us it's so important with all the projects we do you know we have to stay within budget we've got to stay within time frame but when as as much as it's up to us we're going to give things our all every single time we're going to lay it all out give it give it our a game because no project is too small and you know usually they're just they're small small people working on the project there's not that the project's small so that's a mindset we work really diligently with here with all of our people is that you give it your all every project and make
1: sure it's done with excellence. So if we were to replay that situation, this church that asked you to do the work and you, like you said, they had a, it was a very small budget project. Um, it can be easy in those, those moments, especially when it's 10, 11 o'clock at night and you're still working on that project Mm -hmm. to think, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shove it out the door. I mean, really, who cares? It's, uh, the budget was hardly there. I took this on as a sign of goodwill or whatever. Um, what do you think would have happened had that been your mentality and pushed that brochure out the door? Well, it's more of the same, and we see that a lot. We see that with people we compete against sometimes, is that
0: it's more of the same. Someone didn't take the time, and you know, I have, I have uh, some of my employees that come to me regularly, put a product, project under my face, show it to me, and I'll say, it's not good enough, and you know, we can do better. Um, but if that had been the case and we hadn't given it all, you know, we would have lost a very great relationship. And I think that's the end of it. That's what it comes down to is you don't want to lose relationships. You just, relationships are our currency. They really yeah. are.
1: I'm glad you said that. That's, this is something you and I had lunch one day, actually at La Madeleine of all places. We were sitting there and you, you made this comment to me. I don't know. I've, I don't think I'd ever heard it before, but that relationships are the currency of life. Um, and that's one thing I've really respected about you is that you place such a high premium on the relationship, not just a dollar figure. Right. Um, What is it that you've seen, or what is it that's brought you to this conclusion? Are you just naturally wired this way, that you're just a very relational person? Or have you kind of learned some things and maybe had some bumps and bruises along the way to arrive at this point of relationships or the currency of life? You you know, it's... I always say this to my employees too: that, that projects
0: come and go, but people are forever. And for me, I, I I would rather lose money on a project than lose a relationship. And there was a there was a time when um, a different client we had um, missed a, a an opportunity to look at a job on press, and it was printing, and it was it wasn't a large job, but it was it was significant enough in money early on in my career that it was frustrating, and that the project didn't go the way we wanted. So the project got delivered to the client. The client calls me and says, hey, this looks nothing like what you sold me. What happened? And so I had the opportunity to say, to pass the buck and say, well, the printer messed up and, you know, it's all their fault. Well, I didn't. We went to him and said, you know what? We didn't, we didn't do our diligence on this. This is on us. And so the, the owner of that organization broke down crying. And I thought, oh, gosh, I have made him really mad. <laughs> What's going to happen next? You know? And he said, you know, you're the first guy who's come in here today and lo- come in in a long time that's actually told me the truth. Wow. And so for me, I realized at that moment that it was worth more. You know, a good name is rather to be chosen than riches. And at that moment, I realized that losing... A couple thousand dollars was uh, not that big of a deal than losing that relationship, and that's a relationship that's gone on now for 14 years.
1: And I'm sure, in turn, by keeping that relationship, has actually paid dividends. Absolutely, in the long run.
0: He's he's retold that story. I don't know
1: how many times. Like, wow. I people come
0: to me and tell me that story now.
1: From hearing from, it from hearing him, him from hearing it from him. Oh my gosh, Johnny, that's so, incredible. So a great story. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, this next one, this is this is something we've all probably heard many, many times, but it still bears repeating, and I love this quote. It's better to sweat in preparation so that you won't bleed in battle. Man, if I
0: could, um, I'm surprised that's not on the walls of our agency here somewhere <laughs> because it's something we deal with all the time uh, with preparing to do our best on projects is really doing our homework, doing our research. Before we ever put pen to paper, we ask every question we can possibly think of. We do our homework before that, because we definitely don't want to get out there in the battle and realize, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare in time. I think of people like Michael Phelps, who I've been a raving fan of for a long time and, and having been a, a little bit of a swimmer in my own in my own time uh you you realize how much how much preparation goes in that no one will ever ever see how much how many late nights i've i was i was me and my wife were laughing the other day about the spot on my coffee table at my house it's worn from pushing a mouse late night mm-hmm. so many nights we don't do that anymore. Uh, But early on, it just—it was the price that had to be paid. But that preparation is—is allowed me to have what I have today. And people like Michael Phelps, that you know, he'll prepare four years for we see for what we see for a week, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. And so for him, the battle isn't in the week. The battle was in the four years preparing for that one week. Yeah. uh, When the whole world—he was on the world stage. And so I kind of look at that in my own life and say, Gosh, what what am I preparing for next? And and even my own team, what are we preparing for? What's coming? What do we need to be working on right now because we're going to be ready when the battle comes.
1: And with that Michael Phelps analogy that you were talking about there, you actually showed us an ad that Under Armour produced about Michael Phelps and the preparation that goes in prior to him ever hitting that stage. Right. Um, And we'll link to that in the show notes so that you can see that. And I highly encourage you to jump over to creativesheep.org and watch that ad. It is incredible absolutely incredible. Uh, Next up here, actually, you know what, before we jump on to the next one, uh, one thing I love that you said, you said you're surprised you don't have the the relationships of the currency of life posted here on the walls. That's one thing when you walk into your offices, uh, you've got that culture posted everywhere. There's quotes and scriptures and all kinds of things, all over the wall. Not, to, I mean, not to mention just how freaking cool your offices are. But the, I, I heard Clay Clark say one time that that whatever the culture is you're wanting to create, like basically take your heart and post it up on the walls. And you've done a great job of that here. I think it's so cool. Is that something that's been really important to you? Is it just because it looks cool on the wall, or is it th- that it has purpose for you? We want to live by principle, and you know, even when even when me and
0: my wife built our house, we built a house uh, several years ago, and We wrote scriptures on the 2 4s inside the walls of the house. Wow. So whether that was related to hospitality in our living room or whether it was related to um, uh, food in our our house and how we wanted things to taste good and taste and see the Lord is good, we wrote all those on the inside because we felt like that... I mean, no one knows they're there, but now us and then everyone else on this podcast, but... uh, But for me, even on the, the walls of our business, we want people to, uh, when, when you read things, then you have an opportunity, opportunity to, to become those things. And that was really important to us as a business owner, that as people walk through the halls of our company, they see what we're about. You know, and not everyone that comes through here is a Christian, so they can see that we're very, you know, principle-based. And we may not always quote scripture. We, matter of fact, we rarely quote scripture in, in, our, in our meetings, but it's something that we base our, what we do on. And so when we talk about work that matters, which is what our company does... These are the kinds of things that, that prove to us w- what work matters and how it matters.
1: Yeah. And that, the work that matters kind of has become, and again, I'm going off script here, but the work that matters has kind of become the slogan of your company. It has. Um, it's every A lot of your social media posts from Hampton Creative mm-hmm. that I see have that tagged in there. When you walk in the offices, used to, it was a chalk wall, and now you've got this beautiful piece of glass, uh, and it says work that matters really big on it. Why, why did you choose that slogan?
0: Well, first, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't want to put a scripture on there because I, f- I knew that would be polarizing, so that, yeah. was, that was important to us. And not everything we do may not matter to everyone, mm-hmm. but we fi- find that if the mission of the organization, I mean, obviously, we try to choose organizations that do have something that's, that's a, a bit of a mission. And, you know, everybody every, every business has got a purpose, and it's, it's their mission, so that's important. Uh, but for work that matters, you know, with all of our employees, when they came here to our company, um, they came from all different agencies, all different walks of life all over, and so for them many of them had come from businesses where their job was to put money into someone else's pockets, and that was just their that was their daily grind. And so for all of our people here, they know that they walk through the doors of this company that whatever they do today makes a difference in someone's world. And that may not mean the world, but it may mean the difference to the person who has hired us for the project. So outreach doesn't always happen on the other side of the pond. Sometimes it happens on the other side of the water fountain, whether that's in the business or whether that's in the printer we're going to or whoever the vendor is. So. For me, that, that was always really important, and it has still been important, but our, it's also something that our clients, our, our employees can rally around. So at the end of the day, they can say, you know what, today I did work that mattered. Today, what we did mattered to somebody. And so for our, all of our employees, they just, it gives them a point to rally around to say, you know what, everything may not be about a Christian mission. This project that we're doing for X client may not be, but it matters to us, and it really matters
1: to that client. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, okay, so next up here in the, the list of seven here is just passion. Why is passion as a leader or in thinking like an owner, why is being passionate so important?
0: There was a design conference I went to years ago called How, and it was uh, in Boston. And there was a, a, an amazing designer there, and we've followed them forever. Um, but one of the things that this designer said was, um, a designer without passion is just someone who has a job. And so I see that a lot. And, you know, the whole statistic about most of the people in the world are doing jobs that they're not passionate about or really not even in their, in their field of calling, but they're doing it for either money or prestige or, or whatever that is. Um, it's so important that whatever you do, you do it with passion because that's uh, it's so in, uh, inspiring to other people to know that I'm really, if we're going to sit down and talk about fonts, you will see my eyes turn to fire because I love talking about typefaces and fonts and, and design and layout and things that, that move people. I mean, I'm very, very passionate about that, and as well as all of our team. You know, you, we will we will come to come to blows over Pantone colors at times. It <laughs> should be red. No, it should be orange. No, it should be blue. But we're passionate about it, and I love that. I love that we have those types of those types of conversations because it means that we're passionate about it and we believe in it. You know, and you watch people all the time, there's just no passion. They're passionless about their job, passionate about the they have no passion about their life. And I think everything you should do is to have passion.
1: I hey man, I couldn't agree more. Life is too short to hate your every single day. It's true. And I, I actually was uh, as we were getting prepped for this, I was an article I was looking over, Carrie Newhoff wrote talking about um it, that especially with this millennial generation, that passion is actually something that is extremely attractive. To this generation, and so even more so important that you are a person of passion. Nobody wants to. You said this in our talk that no one wants to follow a passionless leader. Absolutely. So get fired up about what you do, and if you're not fired up about what you do, it might be time to look into something else.
0: That's so true.
1: Uh, Next here, this this is potentially one of my favorite ones, and it's not because I'm not spiritual, because the last one's really good too, but I just love this one because this is so. Countercultural, actually, to the way that we do things, especially here in America, but uh, be a tortoise if, if if necessary. The world is full of wild hairs. <laughs> it's so true. Um, you know, when I started this business,
0: I, I you, it's so easy to look around you and look at other agencies, and I always felt like I was pretending because my degree is not in graphic design, mostly because it didn't exist yet. So I'm, I was self-taught. Uh, and learned under had some phenomenal mentors here in the local uh, lo- local community of of the design, um, just the community here. So I learned from a lot of different people. But um, for me, it was difficult to think, gosh, I feel like I'm I'm starting out really slow. I'm starting out, it's not it's gonna take me forever to get to where I want to get to. And I didn't necessarily want to grow some big agency. It never was my goal. You know, bigger wasn't ever really my goal. I wanted to be better and I wanted to be great and I wanted to service a lot of people well, but I, I didn't know the cost that it would take me. I mean, we're 14 years now with 12 people. Um, is that big? Is that, you know, maybe not, but our scope and the people we reach is huge. And so, um, you know, you may not be there. Are, there are a lot of agencies that have come through that come through this town and have blown up and been the biggest and the best and then gone like ghost town. Where do they go? Mm. Um, I didn't ever want to be like that. I wanted to be the one who was plotted, planned ahead, thought ahead, worked you know diligently. I, I, for the last five and a half years, we worked with Charles Stanley, which many of many of you may or may not know that that's Andy Stanley's dad. And he is about to turn 84 and is experiencing the highest um, revenue, highest everything uh, in his business than he's ever had, highest donor engagement, uh, highest number of website hits of any website next to some of the, some of the next to Bible Gateway. Um, wow. And so those things come from Proverbs 28.20 that says, a faithful man will abound with blessing. And that's what I've watched when you're faithful and faithful and faithful that you will abound with blessing. It doesn't say you'll be blessed, you'll, you will abound with blessing. And so that's how we feel about this company. Is so we're going to be we're going to be plotted. We may not be fast, but we're going to be we're going to be very uh, intentional about what we do. And that's the whole thing about being a tortoise. The tortoise knew his knew his route. He stayed on it. He didn't get distracted because it's very easy in this business. So, hey, let's go do this. This sounds good. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Hey, everyone's into this. Let's go be into this. Um, no, you got to know you got to know your purpose. I mean, Andy Stanley says uh, if you know your why, you don't lose your way. And so for us, it was really important to know why we're doing what we're doing. You know, we're here to do work that matters. Let's do work that matters. Let's stay on that, and we won't lose our way.
1: That's fantastic. And, And this has paid well for you. You've actually been recognized lately with some pretty incredible awards because of this mentality. You've not tried to just blow up but just a, like you said, slow and steady wins the race. And it, tell us real quick about the, was it an award or a, it was a recognition of some sort? Yeah,
0: here locally, every, every year, the Tulsa Journal Records, a business publication, does a call for um, a st- any business that wants to enter in their financials over the last three years. And so uh, they named the, the uh, Tulsa fastest growing 40 companies. And our company was listed uh, last year in the number, number 10 position. And this year, we moved it to number seven. So it's wow based on uh just growth uh, of revenue in the company and ours has grown exponentially which has been really really phenomenal and then even before that uh, we were uh asked to uh submit some work to communication arts which is a, a publication in our industry as well as print magazine and how magazine and we were we were listed in all those um, wow. with an ad with our work so it's just you know it's it, that to me was a dream come true to be listed those are publications that i've i've been following for 20 something years and again, pretending, you know, that I'm an agency, (laughs) man, wouldn't it be cool to get in this? And then one day the call came, Hey, we're going to, we're going to run your ad for, for the stuff you've done in all of those publications. So it was just, it was just a dream come true for us. But again, it was those, it was a, it was a tortoise and hare moment for me to say, man, it pays, it pays to do what you say you would do for the price you said you would do it for. And the time you said you would do it because it's very, very rare.
1: Yes. And then lastly here, and this is the most important uh, principle that you gave, and this—if you're listening and, and you're not a Christian or you're kind of wondering about this whole God or Bible thing, uh, this one this one may not fully resonate with you. But I I just ask that you listen. And Johnny, I'm actually going to ask you to take this one. What what is this principle? Joyce Meyer, famous spokesperson
0: that you guys may probably have heard of once or twice, um, said a long time ago that I would rather um, ask God for something and get half than asking for nothing and get all. And so for me, as a company, we kept wondering, uh, you know, how can we, how can we get into places that we couldn't get into on our, on our own? Like what, what is that secret pathway in, uh, to some of the larger clients? Cause we were sitting, uh, five years ago at a place where I just said, gosh, if I could just get across this threshold, I would be really happy. And I just couldn't get over that. So, um, I just felt strongly that as a team that, you know, it's always important that, that we as a team agree on what we're working on. So we don't have a lot of disagreements. Um, over principles, over work, we agree. We're very strong in agreement. Um, I just said, what if you know, one day a week we made a list of things that are concerning to us, whether it's a, a, a software issue or it's a client that we're having communication problems with or we're having a, a, a solution coming up short a solution for a design project? What if we just spent Thursday, spent 15 minutes just committing those to prayer, mm. whatever those things were? And so uh, we did that. We did that every every Thursday, 7 30 in the morning. We we gather together as a team and we have a list of things that, that we commit to prayer. And just just inviting God's help. You know, you can invite him or not invite him, but I personally, I mean, the, the creator of the universe, I think it's probably a good idea to invite him into <laughs> my little, you know, logo project that I have going on. Um, and we saw things grow exponentially in our business. And so we committed to committed to a certain few big corporations that we wanted to work with. Uh, and you know, it took a long time. Sometimes, sometimes those things stayed on there for almost a year before there was the. And we were making. We, obviously, we were doing our part in that. We weren't just, you know, praying and hoping something good would happen. We would do our part in that. We're just giving God the opportunity to invite Him in to do work on our behalf, and that's exactly what happened. And so, some of the things we we found ourselves, in, one of them being Sea World, um, we found our, ourselves there because we just asked God to to intervene in the situation and help us get there. And he did. He wow. really did. Um, and so that, that's been a huge game changer for us. It's also been good for our employees because I've seen uh, some of our guys come in here that are growing spiritually and have watched that. I mean, it's encouraging for all of us to like, say, "Oh my gosh, you know we didn't we had no in and now we're yeah. in. We aren't just in. We're like working with the top dogs. You yeah. know uh, but that was God's way. God, God answers, answers those prayers, but we've got to give him something to work with, and we've got to let him know what, what we want.
1: Man. so prayer. I mean, it's undoubtedly the most important piece, absolutely of all of this. yep. Um, I, I love that so much. I, in fact, I love what you said there that you still did your part. And there, I love this quote by, I think it was St. Augustine. He said to pray as though everything depends on God, but work as though everything depends on you. Absolutely. Um, and that, man, that's such a brilliant approach uh, to life. And, uh, you know, I, I love too, th- those were the seven principles you gave us, and then you you followed it up with just some bonus principles and threw out just some nuggets, and I want to tackle a couple of these uh, since we've got a little bit of time left here. Um, one, of these, one of these things you said here is learn to think like a customer. Really practically speaking, and I guess in the church world then it would be a member of your congregation, a first-time guest that's coming through your doors, um, uh, just somebody that attends your church, learn to think like they think. Uh, super practically, like how do you go about doing that? We, tell, we do a lot of web work here, and
0: so one of the things we tell our, a lot of our clients is, when's the last time you Googled your name of your company? Or when's the last time you Googled your services? Or when's the time you even visited your own website? Because most mm. of our clients say, I don't remember when the last time was I visited my website. I'm like, you need to go look at your website. You need to make sure that things are current, the dates are correct, that you can find what you need as a customer. But really just put your, take your hat off for a little bit as a business owner, put it on as a, a client or a customer, and just make sure that things are where they belong and that you can find things easily. Is the phone number on there? Is it has has your uh, Google information been updated recently? So if you try to try to Google, do you come up on page one or page fifteen? Because that's, those are all fixable, yeah. very fixable. And so if you don't think like that, if you don't think like a customer, then you're doing your customers a disservice because they really need to be able
1: to get to get to find you and find your service. That's really good. So then in terms of the people that are coming to your church, I think the web aspect is super important. Your church needs to be able to be found. Um, There's crazy statistics out there that show that long before anybody steps foot in your church, they've checked out your website, they've potentially looked at your social media, they've likely even checked out, if you post your services online, they've likely checked that out before they ever even come to your church. Um, Would it be a good idea to maybe sit down with people that attend your church and just like, hey, what do you like? What do you not like? And don't be afraid of uh, of taking a, n- a little bit of criticism. Uh, I, I've you know
0: sometimes that's hard to take, and especially as a business owner, sometimes it's really hard to take because you think you're you're awesome, yeah, and then you realize maybe I'm not so awesome <laughs> in a few areas. But it does uh, it does definitely help to take a few trusted people that uh, maybe some people you don't even know from Adam, and just asking them, hey, what was your experience here? And sometimes mystery shop yourself. You know, go uh, come in through the through their children's department and just um, send your kids through to a different area, whatever. Try to find a way to get in, or find a friend that can go in and just say, "How was that experience? What was that like?" Yeah, you may find some good, some bad,
1: some ugly, but you know what? You never know any other way until you ask. Yeah, man, that's that's real good. Uh, I love this one. You ask, you pose the question: Was I a good steward of my time today? And I think, especially in church world, this can be uh, it can be easy to kind of push things off because we don't necessarily have like a client per se that's like we do, but we don't. We don't have somebody that's waiting for us to hand a website over to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it can be easy, especially when you've got a a once-a-week event. You've got church on Sunday, maybe Wednesday, uh, but it can be easy to kind of push things off. I'll get to that at the end, when there needs to be a certain sense of urgency, and I'm not trying to take over this for you, but I just love this question that you posed of, was I a good steward of my time today? We're real clear... At our company about uh, keeping um, very accurate
0: records on time spent so mm. we know what projects we, we spent them on. And so sometimes if you do that for yourself, just make that your, your duty for the day to say, okay, where was my time spent today? Because sometimes you'll find if at the end of the day, if you look at the percentages, you may have found that you spent, you spent a lot of your time on things that didn't really matter mm. or things that weren't part of, they weren't mission critical. So I look at things and say were these things I spent my time today mission critical did they help move the ministry or the business forward or was it things like you know what I just needed to change light bulbs today or I needed to which is important don't get don't get me wrong but did, were they things that were mission critical and things that only you could do mm. because you find yourself doing things that you know what someone else could have made those copies or I could yep. have farmed that out I could have delegated that yep. but God created you to do things only you could do and you have to look at what your job is and make sure that the things I have to as a business owner I have to do the same thing Am I meddling in stuff? I should not meddle in. Am I uh, pushing papers? I shouldn't be pushing. Can I delegate that? Because it goes back to that. Uh, it feeds that that very very first thing that I said is about do the hard things first. Mm. It's easy to do the things that are oh I'll just do with this today yep. instead of going and say you know what I need to delegate this and I really need to be doing that because that's what's going to push the business or the ministry forward. Yeah. So really just taking stock of that. And sometimes if you just write down how much time you spend on things, review, mm-hmm. self inspect, and say gosh
1: that was probably not the best use of my time today. Yeah and it can be easy especially when you are the leader of the organization to want to change the light bulbs because you see something sure. get finished sure when yeah, oftentimes as the leader you're pushing the big picture forward and you don't right. you don't necessarily see the wins taking place right. and so you want to you want to see that you're actually accomplishing something um, and i would i just real quick want to pause on that and say to all the church leaders out there listening even if you don't have a big team if you don't have a team of people on staff Ephesians 4.12 says to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Who are you looking at? Who comes to your church? I guarantee you, you've got somebody in your church that would be willing to come in and change light bulbs for you just because, um, or or make copies or do some admin work. They may not be willing to volunteer 40 hours a week, but I guarantee you, you have people that are willing to come take things off your plate so that you can do like Johnny was saying and only do the things that you can do. Uh, Such a big deal. And Johnny, uh, Really, practically, when you said taking stock of the time that you spend, do you guys have a tool that you actually use for that, or do you? Is it more just like look at the clock and okay, it's 8 a.m. I started working on website, and at 9 a.m. I started designing logo. How does that work? We're big fans of a of a software
0: called Function Fox. Function Fox manages all of our time. It allows us to set up the projects in there in in the program, and so at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, we can all look at our time and say, gosh, this is how many hours this project took. Is that really what we intended? And was it worth the amount of time spent in that project? Because sometimes we find that we think we know how much a project's gonna take at the beginning, and then when that time actually rolls in, we realize we were way off.
1: Ended up spending way more time. Way more time. Therefore, as a company, you're losing money on that right. project. Or in terms of the church world, you're actually wasting time. Same in the business. You're wasting time mm-hmm. on this. That's something you can't... You can always make more money. You can never get your time back. Um, so with that, I can I can already hear some people out there, especially the super-driven folks, of, I don't want to take the time to track my time. Um, but when you guys implemented this, have you been doing this the whole 14 years? We haven't. We started it... Um, about about two years ago,
0: actually. Okay. We, ha- we were keeping track on paper, which okay. we found it was a disaster. Okay. <laughs> so we had been doing that all along yeah, uh, because people would wait to the very last mm. day of the week and then start writing down time. And so this allows it to stay on your desktop all the time. So you can, just, you can track it as you go. So nice. as you come in and out of projects, you can just log in and out. Uh, but it's been, it's been critical for us. I mean, for us, it's all about ROI and with mm. our clients especially clients that pay us an X amount every month to work for them, that we're, again, keeping accountable to our time and making sure that we're uh, making the most of the money that they they give to us.
1: And, And, you know, I would even challenge that in the church world, it is so important to look at the ROI. That is something that I don't think gets talked about enough in the church world. Because you can get to the end of the week, think you've accomplished a lot, and then you look back and if you had actually tracked your time, you realize that you spent five hours changing light bulbs when you could have maybe spent two hours changing light bulbs and put three hours into the message for the weekend, which was much more important than changing the light bulbs. Like Johnny said, the light bulbs are important, but... Is that something that only you can do? Right. And so I think in the church world, we don't think so much in terms of ROI or the bottom line. It's very, very important. Or there may be a handful of people that think about that, but not in the grand scheme of things. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's really, really good. Um, you know, I wanna shift gears here real quick. We've got just a couple minutes left, and I wanna talk for just a second that uh, you attend Church on the Move here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where you and I met. Um, and uh, you actually started something at the church as a volunteer that has seen a tremendous amount of success. Uh, it's the, the Church on the Move Men's Breakfast. Tell us a little bit about this, why you started it, um, how it works, and, and that kind of thing. We just started a new
0: ministry at Church on the Move several years ago, almost to exact to be exact, called Sections. And basically, um, we, me and my wife were leaders of a section of the church. And so basically, you're responsible for pastoring. For us, it was 142 chairs that as people come through each Sunday, we were, we were responsible for making sure that the people in that section felt invited. They felt just any felt need. If it was, I have, I'm having a baby or I've had someone die in my family, we were responsible for that, uh, for helping them get, get what they needed. But for me, I saw an opportunity uh, for men to come together at this breakfast it was more just an opportunity just to have fellowship with these guys, and we wanted to keep it simple, low commitment once a month. but I just had a real heart for these guys, you know some of them um, you know they they weren't in a small group or they weren't they weren't committed to volunteer just just yet, but it was just enough for them to stick their toe in the water and find out do I like these people? do I like what this church says off the record? not because we heard it from the pulpit, but from just normal everyday people and I found found in a church our size, and I think really any church. You've got people with wisdom all over the place. I mean, there are people that just no one's ever asked them to to share it. Mm-hmm. And so, I found in this in these in this setting, this Friday morning, once a month setting from six forty five to seven forty five sharp, uh, we we have about a thirty minute message from someone who is a a business leader or someone who who has a ministry experience or someone who just um, has lived lived life a long time and has a lot to share. And so, I'm I'm shocked at how how this thing has grown over the last nineteen months and watched uh, people grow and we, you know we come out with our goal is always like three nuggets just come away with three nuggets of something and i can i can look back to each of those speakers and i can tell you what each one spoke on mm-hmm. you know and so to get 18 times 3 whatever that is uh, nuggets that i have stored away in my heart is so good because it didn't didn't all come all at one time it came a little by little little by little and and it's grown and it's grown out of part of my thing of going back to relationships really matter to me and uh, we've, we've helped guys build relationships along the way and get into those small groups, to kind of move up the chain in uh, the church to be able to do more things.
1: Yeah. Right and so with this, though, rewind 19 months, your very first men's breakfast you did, how many guys showed up? I had... Um... 18. 18 guys showed up. Okay, now fast forward to the last minute. You've got one coming up this Friday. This Friday, right. Um, But the one prior, how many guys were there? We had 137, I think. 137. This has never been pushed from the stage at Church on the Move. Um, This has never been announced. This has never been in a video. This has never anything. This has been total grassroots efforts. Um, led by a volunteer, the Church on the Move staff, I know you keep them apprised of what's going on, but they are not involved in any of this, maybe other than opening a building for you to be able to host it there. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, And this is led by a volunteer. I mean, we talked about this just a moment ago, Ephesians 4.12, equipping the saints. Johnny, this was your idea, and you came to them and said, hey, I want to do this, and they were just like, all right, do it. And so you've done it since then, and, and I want to kind of talk some brass tacks with this. This is not a free event that you do. You charge for this every single month. Um, I, was it like ten bucks? Ten bucks. Ten yeah. bucks ahead. Um, covers breakfast. Um, and uh, and we'll link to the. Uh, you've got a podcast for it now, where mm-hmm. it we 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 share the the talks that these guys do. And this has been a phenomenal. I've been to several of these. Um, it's just been a really cool event. And just real quick, any. Any words of encouragement or um, uh, stories you might share of maybe some success stories from this men's breakfast? Because this is obviously an opportunity, somebody that maybe wouldn't come to church. Uh, this could be a, kind of a gateway for them to, to step into the church. You know, Probably what I want to speak to is more people who um, sit in the seat every Sunday,
0: people like me who would sat there. I mean, we've been at Church in the move for 26 years, um, and I sat in the seat every Sunday and I volunteered for things here and there. But it was it was when we started opening things up uh to to really asking God, God, what would you have me do? What is there something that I that only that only I can do? Um, and not that someone else couldn't have done the exact same thing that I did. It's just that I had a pa- had a passion for it. And yeah. I, was, I felt really strongly about it. But there's something that God asks all of us to do, you know, outside of maybe we can all volunteer, we can, you know, of course I do that, I do all those things. But is there something uniquely that God's called you to do that will reach people? That only you can reach. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's exactly what he asked me to do in this. And so what we've seen is is people that have come through and we watched I watched people that would sit next to me in church that are now involved. It came, it came to my first breakfast mm. and now they're volunteering at different areas. They're in small groups. They're involved all over the church. But the the catalyst was, you know what, just come to breakfast. Come to breakfast. Yep. On a Friday morning, it's one hour, low commitment. Nobody wants that hour anyway. You know, so it's, it's a free hour for you anyway. You're going to either be sleeping in or you're going to be driving somewhere. So just drive by, have breakfast, then go on to work. Um, but God is calling us all to do something, something more than what we're doing. And it means maybe stepping out of the boat a little bit, maybe doing things untraditionally. Because believe me, it's a lot of work. Those get, you know, <laughs> you know all the organization, the structure. Yeah. And we do have a great team of people that help with this. But at the end of the day, it, it, is, it is my passion that drives this. And it will continue to drive it uh, to do more and to reach more people. But I like that grassroots nature of it, and I think one of the things that our pastor said, he says, I love that I was invited to an event in my own church to speak at an event that our church didn't put on. And so obviously there's a lot of trust there, and I'm so thankful for the people of church. When you've been there a long time, there's a lot of trust that comes with that, but there are opportunities for all of us to do something more than what we're doing right now.
1: Yes. Um, And Johnny, what I love about that is that you literally applied all of what we've just been talking about right here in this men's breakfast True, and that you saw a need could have chosen to do nothing about it, but instead you put all this into action and you started it. And I know it's made a difference in me. So thank you for doing this. It's a big deal. And I know it's making a difference in a lot of guys in our church. Um, Johnny, as we wrap up here um, just any closing thoughts for the folks out there listening on just words of encouragement, um, attaboys, you can do it, whatever you got for us. I think mine is um,
0: is being, the, it goes back to the tortoise and the hare. You know, I always thought that, you know, it would be a rocket, that my life would be a rocket. <laughs> and, you know, what you find that sometimes the rocket is a lot slower than you think, but it's just because it takes a little longer to get to the moon or to Mars doesn't mean you're not headed there. Yeah. So it's easy to to see that, um, it's easy to see the rocket and see it out there, but it looks like it's moving very slowly when it's outer space, but it is moving And the the sound of light or sound of speed, whatever it is, I'm not a scientist, but you realize that it's moving a lot faster than you think it is. And so sometimes we give up because we look at someone else's, like we've heard last chapter and I'm only on chapter one, so I'm giving up. I can't do that. Well, you didn't, you know, what if Michael Phelps had given up at, you know, the first Olympics he went to, he didn't win a single medal. What if he said, I'm done. I didn't win anything. He didn't. He didn't give up. He kept working and kept working and kept working. So for me, my life has been keep working, keep being diligent, keep digging get up every day and say, what can I do? How can I do something different? How can I work harder at this? Or how can I call alongside people who know more about this than I do? Be diligent. mean, the diligent, the hand of the diligent will be made rich. And, that, and so that's another scripture I've lived my life by is that I've got to be diligent every day and do all that I can. And God blesses it along the way. And you know what? I, there's not a day that, comes to, that I come to work that I'm, I'm, that I'm upset or I'm frustrated. I'm thankful every day I walk through these doors because I enjoy the people I work with. Even in their best or worst days, I still love them at the heart of who they are. And I love what I do with everything I got.
1: So good, Johnny. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? You know,
0: you can follow me on Instagram. I'm a big Instagrammer. It's just uh, Johnny Creative. That's also my Twitter handle or Facebook or email johnny at hamptoncreative.com. And it's J-O-H-N-I-E.
1: Perfect. Johnny, so, so good today. Folks, hope you got something out of it. I know I got a lot out of it. Johnny, again, thank you for joining us Thank you. Folks, thanks so much for listening today. Really appreciate it. And Roman, if anybody wants to uh, uh, share this or get in touch with us, how
2: would they do that? There's several ways, uh, but uh, on the internet... Uh, social media we're out there we're on there uh, at creative underscore sheep check it out Instagram Twitter Facebook we'd love to connect with you answer any questions you might have or just uh, say hi you know ask. maybe tell us what your favorite book is just drop us a line but definitely if you want to share it on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that creative underscore sheep is, uh, is where we can connect with us
1: thank you all for listening we will see you next
2: time farewell